Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right. Hey, C-Mike. Welcome to the Corridor Podcast. Hey. <laughs> welcome hey. back. The, you guys changed the studio. It looks totally different. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Our studio has a bunch of really unique houses all over yeah, the place. It's very boxy. <laughs> <laughs> We have a place in the studio called Memory Lane, apparently, except it's, we reversed all the letters. Uh, it was a weird printing mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, is this showing backwards for you guys? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so it's funny because more, like... so I spent, I spent two minutes bringing it into editor and reversing it so I could bring it in so you guys could read it. <laughs> I should have kept my original. At first glance, I thought it was Russian. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. So, see, Mike, how you been? Oh man, I I've been super relaxed, and I've been doubling down on Dungeons and Dragons and finding myself. That's I think the biggest thing. And it's been intense. Yeah. I mean, you did you did something that's very challenging to do, which is to make the leap from stability to chaos with the intent of pursuing. Uh, personal desires and fulfillment and I'm hoping that you'll you'll share a little bit of your experiences with us and like you know what brought you to that point and like what you've learned about yourself in terms of in from doing that and you know all the things that come with it so yeah, yeah. I mean pretty much everyone listening to this podcast I'm sure they know who you are uh, but if, if they don't I mean I should let you introduce yourself hey, uh, so I'm Carmichael uh, I, I used to be the the t-shirt guy who packed the t-shirts for stress level zero and corridor digital. And then, oh, uh, that guy. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to bring the shirts to the mailbox. And then one day I, I was allowed to edit some behind the scenes stuff. And then I became a showrunner of a vlog called uh, corridor crew. And then Nick hopped on and we got married and we had to yeah. raise a child with Uncle Nico and Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's Grandpa Nico, actually. Grandpa Nico, Grandpa Sam. Well, Uncle Jake, then. Uncle Jake. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, about a year ago this time, you, yeah. you departed ways yeah. with Corridor and 
uh, start pursuing your own endeavors, primarily the uh, Dungeons, and, Dungeons and Dragons channel, Fables of Refuge, right? Yeah, it's, it's Fables now. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, I was going to just be Fables, but I was like, oh, we should just market it off the main show that we're trying to make. And then once I can start putting more stuff on there, I'll take off Refuge. Um, yeah, it's I, it's a it's a mixed bag on how the decision got made on my part, and then when I discovered D and D, I got reconnect I got reconnected with uh, my childhood, something that a lot of adults seek. And uh, my heart just like started to glow and warm up. It was like the exact feeling whenever my dad walked me through the gates of the Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. And I was nice as an adult. I never had that feeling until I started playing D and D, and I was like, "This is important, and I can't let this go." And then that brought up the the reminder of what I've been pursuing since, I don't know, uh, middle school. So like seventh grade Mm -hmm. and what I've let go to pursue it, which is filmmaking. And then that there was a conflict of interest in me. Like all I did was focus on filmmaking, nothing else. I would skip lunches at school I would stay late, get in there early, and just focus on filmmaking. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually abandoned a lot of friendships and social connections just to stay on the path of filmmaking. So it's like, whatever. Mm. How do I make movies? How do I do that well? And how how can I know how to do it? Like all that knowledge, I just want it. And I landed the fucking dream job, and I got a corridor. And I was like, I fucking did it. I it made, wasn't the I'm dream job. By the way. When you started, it wasn't the dream job because there wasn't no, a job. No, it was not. <laughs> but I was working for the guys that I admire. And I was like, I mean, that's the next step. Like, learn, like when I was at film school, when I got to LA in 2012, two things were always in my mind. One, podcasts are going to replace radio. Two, it doesn't make sense what teachers are teaching me because it's like during the day I'm learning studio filmmaking and at night I'm watching Corridor Digital and Freddie W. And then Mm. the school would say, no, what they're doing is bad and wrong. Mm. Um, And then I was like, I disagree. (laughs) Was it like literally them saying that or was just kind of like a... There There was a couple teachers who were like there as part-time between like directing gigs or producing gigs that they're like yeah i can't wait to see what these people get to do in the long run uh but then the majority of them who were like full-time teachers at a film school were like no they're doing it wrong yeah of course they are (laughs) there's no film in their camera <laughs> yeah. the whole crew. They shoot so much. You know the developing lab budget for that. Yeah, they lack the organic nature of film. It's just there's yeah. nothing of the green. Where's, where's the video village? Texture. Where's the I, video village? They. I remember we out of pocket as students had to pay for our own film because they want like the first three things we shoot were on actual film. 
Yeah. I was like, okay, I'll do like the first one and the second one. The second one I just shot on whatever leftover film I had. But the third one was like, I don't have this money. But I knew someone with a DSLR. And I was like, can I just shoot on the DSLR? No, that's not film. But mm. then I started pointing, I showed them like the Philip Bloom footage from the ranch and stuff. I'm like, it kind of looks like film to me. <laughs> yeah. But then, yeah, I got to work with you guys um, after working at a Cloud Imperium, I think it's called. <laughs> Which you guys are Star Citizen. Citizen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, I think it was Jake who called me up and was like, hey, we got uh, a gig for a week to do Mordor. And there's no pay, but we can make sure you're fed and you got a place to sleep. I turned to my boss like, hey, I'm going to be gone for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and that began the road of me getting fired and then uh, <laughs> showing up at four doors like, hey, guys, I, I got to do the job. Come on in. Pack some shirts. <laughs> yeah. So you, I mean, you know, you went from, you know, being a guy helping out around the studio, kind of like helping Jake take care of some work. To you know, obviously, shore running the entire corridor crew channel, and you know, at least like <clears throat> when my dad would talk to me about like getting a job and stuff like that, he was like, you know, when you put yourself in a position where people start coming to you um, to get something done, you soon find yourself in a position of leadership where people are coming to you to get stuff done. So just be that person and give it time, and in time, you know, you'll find yourself in those positions that you want to be in. Um, and, you know, I feel like that's, it's kind of what you ended up just doing where you're like, all right, I'm just going to start doing work. And then when I get the opportunities, I'm going to do them and keep cranking on them. But what, what was, what was that evolution like for you? Like from your point of view, how did you get from a guy packing t-shirts to a guy who's, you know, inventing formats and making videos that millions of people are watching? I, one, this can't, it has to be said, like without Nick's help, the, the channel wouldn't have become what it is. Um, I have to also preference that back like a big part of when I left is like working on myself and then looking at my state of mind through that process too. And there was a lot of like too much pride, like almost like I, I deserved because I knew I, I put so much energy in knowing so much about filmmaking. Whenever I wasn't doing filmmaking, I felt like I deserved to do filmmaking. Why am I doing this? But then often I got put in my place whenever like you guys try to put me in the hot seat and I froze. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like, uh, and it's just, I wasn't humble enough back then. But then I was also hungry enough to constantly like uh, try to achieve a new thing. I remember I presented the idea to both you and Sam, the idea of like, hey, uh, the Sam and Nico channel should have like an opening logo. And I really like the idea of the t-shirt hole yeah. in the chest. And I was like, it should be animated some way. And I was like, could we get an animator to do that? And Nigo, you straight up said, no, we can't afford that. 
I just stood there for like a half a second. I was like, okay. And I went to my computer and for the next six days, I learned how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the whole vlog just spawned out of that one intro. Sweet. And it just got faster and faster. <laughs> like, it just, what sucked was it was a final JPEG <laughs> that I had to animate. <laughs> just go and get a high-res picture of the shirt and work from that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I remember thoughts of just like, I think, because when I started shooting, my, my idea was I should make the better version of what you guys are already doing with BTS, which is covering the action, getting what you guys have to say on set, and then essentially recapping some ideas in an interview, and oh, then yeah, try yeah, to make those interviews. all look Sorry? Yeah, we were basically doing our version of DVD uh, behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> and then it was just like, take the next, like, okay, how does this get better? How does this get better? And it was getting really good. And then it took its biggest leap when, um, Nico, you, you were like, let's do a vlog. I think it was Jake's idea. <laughs> it, was, it was Jake's idea for the longest time, but then one day you just came out of like the back room, like "Let's do it." <laughs> Jake talked me into it. <laughs> and then uh, the Sony camera was never turned off. <laughs> yeah, I remember until that. you broke it. Literally, until I broke it. <laughs> it. It wasn't turned off even after you broke it. We have you breaking it on camera. <laughs> Its last moment in focus is captured in the, uh, the Star Wars behind the scenes video or Star Wars oh, drones behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. You like did a whip zoom. You like just broke the lens. <laughs> I, I remember. I, I'm trying to remember because Ren complimented me on always doing the whip zooms, and I was my thought back then was like, you know, it's always funny when you crash zoom in the editing into somebody's face. I should just do mm -hmm. it in camera and save myself some time. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that like, the thing that like, I think uh, really like anybody who's at corridor that's been, been with us for a while and like, you know, they, they fit in really well and excel, excel at what they're doing. I think they all share a common trait and that they are always thinking about, um, you know, outside of just obviously there's work, there's lots of work, there's regular work that has to happen, but everybody, everybody's always thinking about like, how can I improve? What can I do that's new? What can I do next? What can I invent? What's something that no one's thought of yet that I can explore and try? Um, I think, you know, anyone that's with us that's, you know, that's really making a mark for themselves has that process going on. Yeah, on top of just the regular, like being a decent editor, being good at time management, being, you know, you know, a hard worker, all those things are obviously are necessary, but then, you know, bring to the table that like, Hey, I have an idea for this format. Let's try this. Or, Hey, you know, I was thinking, you know, we could do this better. Or I read these, you know, comments here and they said, you know, what about the trying like this? And it got me thinking about this. And like, that's something Carmichael that you, like you, it was really a big part of your process. Like you were always thinking about trying new things. I mean, you know, like for example, like, you know, you and Nick, when you guys put together like the first VFX react, idea you know that was just a like hey the sonic trailer came out you guys are vfx artists why don't you talk about why people don't like it and why it looks weird and you know 
that was just an example of, you know, of many, cause like we didn't have an established format outside of just like, you know, we need to do a video two or three times a week. Like there wasn't like a standard format that each video followed. So it was always being reinvented. Um, now like, you know, I guess this is a question both to Nick and Carmichael. Is this something that like you guys think is just inherent in who you are or is this something that you had to train yourself to do over time? Uh, well, I can't answer for Carmichael. I, I think it's more inherent in, in you, Carmichael, than me. Um, it, at that time, I was so used to trying to, um, well, just like, I was getting used to the grooves, like trying to like work in your workflow. And then Carmichael would always like, you know, one day would pass and then you'd be like, I have a bright idea. Let's change everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh gosh okay here we go gotta restart gotta relearn so but i mean that was for the beginning and then eventually it just found a fluid you know evolution and there's no uh there's no year of those vlogs that are the same right because it's mm -hmm. constantly okay. changing and then eventually we yeah we found that react format and it was like okay here's the first format that actually sticks um, yeah. yeah even that was an accident like finding that yeah. format wasn't something we were trying it wasn't like intentionally like hey react videos do really well let's just do that um it's because we were all going away to texas when we were thinking about moving uh and we needed something quick to shoot <laughs> and didn't take you know like a week of pre-pro so we could just right. draw on the knowledge that you guys had and that we all had and uh you know turn that into something and yeah, the Sonic trailer just happened to be it. <laughs> and yeah, it, yeah, the rest is history. But I definitely the biggest shift for the channel right there. Yeah, it was a huge shift. Um, I still, I can't say his name, but someone did tell me when the Sonic trailer dropped, like that was a false trailer. They had the final design for Sonic already done, and that was just another design for marketing. So That's that way they. So they could say, oh, yeah, we listen to the fans. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. One of my favorite conspiracy theories. Because if it's true, it's fucking genius. So <laughs> Just so, so smart. I, I remember the, the Sonic React video. Uh, the, and I approached it the same way. I, I generally approach all videos when I'm in the editing seat. Is if I'm passively watching this, how am I experiencing it from the moment I click to whenever I leave. Um, and that's often why I would stay like hours late or work over the weekends. It's like, I'm not feeling it. Like whatever this video is like in, in, if I just jump in, what, what's my experience on the roller coaster, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how I approached the editing of that react video. And then it was like, we dissected the hell out of it. <laughs> for the second one it was like what order were things that happened what is <laughs> like bad a good clip and a bad clip and then the marketing clip and <laughs> yep. we didn't and even then, have those concepts yet and then it, and then it was like oh it kind of worked okay let's do that exactly the same <laughs> yeah and then boom and then i was like all right <laughs> Peace. I'm gonna play D and D. Yeah. Oh man, it's awesome. So you know, so see, Mike. You know, obviously, you 
the decision to leave corridor was something that you had decided upon months and months and months before it happened. Um, you know, it wasn't a surprise or anything like that once it, you know, came time for you to head out. Um, and you made the, you made the jump from, you know, obviously being at corridor and working with a group of people and, you know, having other people around you to doing your own thing. And at least for me, something like that could be really scary. Um, it can be really challenging. Tell me a little bit about that. Like what has been, like, how did you feel when that happened? Have there been like, what have your moments of victory been? What have your challenges been uh, as you've made that transition? Okay. Um, I mean, it was first off leading up to me, like talking to you guys about me leaving. Um, it was, it was that moment like kicking in of real, like realizing I spent so much time focusing on my craft, which is not inherently a bad thing but I put it before everything else in my life, like everything else. And at, at a certain point, it started getting to me like, I don't have anything else. So I am endlessly now making content for content's sake. I'm telling stories just nonstop. And it's like, before I would go to sleep, I would talk about corridor content. The moment I wake up, within five minutes, my brain is thinking of the next corridor content that I'm working on, and I couldn't just get out of it. Uh, and that started building up. D and D kicked in, and I reconnected to something, and that led to like, I have to tell these guys, like, I need to completely walk away to put time into me whatever way that's possible, I have to figure it out. And like, if I do a hard fail on this, I, I was like, I, I always knew that our relationship was good enough that I can always come back to you guys and say, I couldn't, I couldn't figure this out. Um, and knowing that like you guys had that love and that friendship for me, did make it easier um but not any less scary yeah (laughs) Um, yeah like i even had to talk to my dad because he was like you got the best job what are you Mm -hmm. why are you leaving like oh i kind of need to figure stuff out for myself and it might mean like making my own thing even if it fails he's like i don't know (laughs) like thanks dad (laughs) (laughs) um uh, I mean, there is something to be said for that. From an outside perspective, what we do looks like the best job. And you have to, sometimes it's like, you have to remind people like, this is pretty consuming stuff. Like, you have to put a lot into it. Mm-hmm. It's not just riding one wheels and goofing around and reacting to videos all day, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a whole the VFX artist side of VFX artists react. Like, you still yeah. have to go out there and learn how to do VFX. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> years and years of work and then you, know. and then you also gotta like put the work into learning vfx not the act of practicing it mm-hmm. like i need to know when ren goes on a rant i need to be able there to sit there and keep up so that way i can question him on something that he just raced on by 
because he yeah. just knows the terminology in the like the back of his hand better yeah. than the back of his hand yeah um, so moving so, sorry keep going keep going keep going yeah. so once once i left uh i was like okay i have two months of rent <laughs> i need to either one find consistent work with another creator that i genuinely want to put some energy in learn to work with a kind of like a, a creative friend and like that build the D thing on the side and yeah. put that energy in me or just which is the worst option is hustle 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 gig after gig after gig after gig um i was able to get a job at indie mogul and I was brought on. I was like, "Oh yeah, for so for your experience at Corridor, we'd love you to help with the direction of re uh, birthing Indie Mogul." I was like, "That's awesome! I love Indie Mogul. Let's do it." And six months later, I'm late on every delivery because all they mm -hmm. want is an editor nine to five. Yeah, um, but every meeting I have like equipment upgrade ideas, setup upgrade ideas, uh, new style branding ideas. And they're like, this isn't what we brought you on for. And I was like, I thought that was. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I can't sit in the back office for nine to five and not do anything but look at a computer screen with no access to sunlight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at least in our studio, there's skylights, you know? Yeah. Like some, some <laughs> And there was always the ability to get up and record and shoot. And the yeah. other guys were in charge of doing that. Um, yeah. So uh, I parted ways and I was like, all right, I'm down to one month savings of rent. Okay. Um, this is Thanksgiving. La uh, the la last Thanksgiving. So you made it from May to November. Mm-hmm. And Fables has launched, right? Fables has already launched. Okay. Uh, we were releasing an episode once a month because I was trying to go, what if I release a full D&D episode? Just boof, once at a time. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the consistency? What's the thought process? What's the feeling behind it? Um, and then eventually we went to what we're doing now. Uh, but I'm at the... I'm at, Thanksgiving, I have to fly to Sacramento to be with Allie's family. So I was like, all right, um, can't afford that. So Allie's family, family <laughs> pays for it. And now I'm feeling like less of a, a provider, less, more of a failure because it's like, I'm not, something's not working and I can't see it. <clears throat> um, on top of that, Premiere has been glitching out all my videos. Oh, God, dude. Oh, don't, don't be with you, huh? <laughs> don't be with you. <laughs> uh, so it was just like November was the month of learning how to breathe. Hmm. December, I had probably my worst panic attack because <clears throat> there was zero in my bank account. Wow. Wow. Um, was that moment just like, holy shit, this is real now? Like, I really made the jump? Yeah. And, and it, like, I, 
I was like, I lit like the moment I woke up to the moment I went to sleep. My thought was, I'm losing this this apartment. I'm I'm not going to be able to protect Alicia. I'm not going to be able to protect the cats. And at this point, my cats are my babies. Um, <laughs> and I just started seeing myself as a failure. And I, I also, at the same time, was trying to not see myself as a failure. Because mm-hmm. I know if I said that narrative too much, I wouldn't be able to get out of that narrative. Um, and so it's like, I wake up, fables. Fables. Like, how can I improve it? How can I make it better? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, how do I minimize the workflow? How do I minimize the equipment? How do I m- increase resolution? How do I increase quality? Um, and it was small steps. Patreon was like sitting there able to help me pay rent. But I was like, this is money that people donated to me to put towards this content. Mm-hmm. So I was like, only on the final hour will I ever make the decision to use their money to keep a roof over my head. I was trying to be that noble. Mm-hmm. Um, and it came it came down to the, the last minute. And uh, I got an email. It... it December, I was able to pay rent with help of family, and I I paid them back. But January comes along. I'm still freaking out because Zero's still there. But I get an email from Richard Ryan from Black Rifle Coffee. He's like, I've only met Richard Ryan that one time we did the slow-mo video with Ren. It's the only time. He emails me. He's like, "Hey, are you still doing? Are you doing freelance yet?" I remember you talking about you guys. You were leaving. I was like, "Yeah, I'm still doing freelance. I have no clients." (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) Um, He's like, "Cool, I'll get you hooked up with uh, Logan. We have a project. We basically want to do corridor crew meets uh, Peter McKinnon." Who's the we? Uh, Richard for Fullman, Richard or? Richard for Black Rifle. Oh, okay. And so Logan hit me up. We talked. Uh, he basically wants to make a behind-the-scenes show with the uh, the mindset of corridor crew, like behind the company, the work that we put into the company. What is that? And uh, I was like, Yeah, let's do that. And he's like, Cool. Uh, on Friday, can you fly out to Las Vegas for SHOT Show? Hmm. My first question was, what the fuck is SHOT Show? (laughs) (laughs) It's basically NAB, but with guns instead of camera (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, my phone. Okay. Um, Hold on, hold on. My camera, it just popped up 10%. No. Uh Plug in. See, Mike. No, uh, I don't want to say goodbye I'm like, twice. I'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> for the story. Uh, uh, and he's like, "Can you fly out there?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I totally can." He's like, "Cool." So we he keeps talking about what we're going to do there. 
and all the traveling that's going to have to happen while we're there. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'm in my, in the, I'm writing down how much everything's going to cost. And, uh, and it's like, I have, I have one camera. I have one lens. I have a friend's microphone. Hmm. <laughs> and I have one SD card and I took Alicia's laptop and he goes, all right, cool. So we'll cover the flights and all your transportation, all your food. Uh, I'll see you on Friday and I'll email you all the addresses. Okay. Uh, jumped, packed there up. There you go. Jumped was this like Uber. a couple of days before? It was a week. Oh, a week. Okay. Um, and I just worked my ass off that week. I was like, if these guys can be a consistent client, I'm going to make that a thing. Um, on top of that, Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran company, supports veterans. I come from a family of veterans. I'm one of the first uh, boys to not join the military. Wow. Um, that that and makes my, sense. And, and I, my dad loves Black Rifle Coffee too. <laughs> Did he like it before you worked with them? Oh, he, Evan, Evan, the owner of Black Rifle and I make a joke about how when I went vegan, my dad lost uh, his pride of being my father. And then when I started working Black, Black Rifle, he got, I got it back. <laughs> That's gnarly and amazing. I, I got to be honest, when I heard that you were working with them, I was like, whoa, there's a disconnect there, Carmichael. Because oh, like... Yeah. You're known as like a very like, you know, more left-sided. I mean, you're like the first person and I think the only in the studio to go vegan, right? Or is Griffin? Griffin's vegetarian, but you were the... Yeah, he's vegetarian. When he definitely like spoke. took it, yeah, as a lifestyle. So I, I was just like, wow, okay. How's that going to work out? Oh, their faces were amazed. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was the best reaction. <laughs> and and like, <laughs> what, like uh, what an interesting first initiation to be like, thrown into shot show like vegas gun culture like (laughs) carmichael from la just like all right just come on out here let's see how you do (laughs) it it was what was weird was being around the guys growing up in a town of 200 people in minnesota and almost every weekend being around military people because of my dad going to base to base um, it almost felt like home just hanging out with the guys. <clears throat> it was so surreal. Um, when <laughs> I remember we were, I sat in to record uh, the behind the scenes of them recording one of their podcast episodes in the hotel. Uh, Evan buys me a uh, like a green smoothie drink he gets one we go up the elevator we're talking we're talking and we sit down and he makes a crack about vegans because he's drinking a shitty green drink and i go i know i'm one of them <laughs> and he all he does is he looks up <laughs> he just smiles <laughs> and matt best in the back goes wait you're a fucking vegan I'm like yeah <laughs> oh fucking a <laughs> but, but what was funny is like 10 minutes later matt best was trying to offer me a full-time job 
<laughs> because according to him, like the last BTS guy uh, wouldn't do the things I would do to get the shot. Mm. Like I, we were shooting at a gun sh- uh, range and I was asking the guys who worked there, can you pull out the gun so I can get this B-roll shot, get this B-roll shot. Hey, can you toss the bullets over here so I can get the shot? And he was just straight up impressed that I was putting the initiative and the work to get a good product. Hmm. Like, even if I don't use that footage, I'm putting that work in. Yeah. I mean, that goes miles. You're scrubbing those floors, man. Sweeping those floors. Mopping those floors. (laughs) Yeah, dude. That's Um, awesome. Yeah. And working with Logan, it's a similar relationship as like working with one of you guys. It, he has a creative mindset, uh, creative mindset too. So we'll often just do the work all day long. And then in the evening, just banter about the direction of the video, direction of the next video. Like what's the through line to the next story? What's the overall thing we're trying to do? What's interesting about it? Um, pretty much every night in Guatemala, him and I were drinking wine, doing that. Mm. Um, so you went to Guatemala with those guys. How long? Wait, yeah. when, what was that about? Yeah, wait, okay. what so, let, let, let's fill, I'm going to fill in the gap. I'm going to fill in the gap for that. <laughs> what? So I went home. Uh, he, Logan wanted me to come back the next week, and we would just go to uh, Florida for NASCAR. I couldn't make it. I, uh, so I had to take that one specific week off, but I could have worked one week the next week and then the next week all yeah. three in was, i think it was states. just like the daytona 500 or something that's what casual. it was yeah. it's a really yeah. casual like little yeah it's, it's casual <laughs> they win I their car wins yeah, yeah. But Wait, then the, the black rifle ro- coffee car one yeah oh wow yeah, Same. yeah. Wow. um and then the following week i had to fly down to texas uh and shoot there for a week a behind the scenes on them doing a video that's in post so i'm not going to talk about it because they haven't talked anything about it um but man like i i get on the airplane at 5 a.m i didn't i pretty much didn't sleep that night because i was just still nervous i have two months of rent in my account right now i put no other money to anything else i was like keep a roof keep a roof nothing else um I get to Texas and then get in a car. The sun's now shining and get show up at their office. I have to pull out the camera and start shooting. And I shoot for the next eight hours. Uh, and then I go to the ranch and I sleep at the ranch. And it was the first time I could sleep in 48 hours. Wow. <laughs> Cuddled up with the uh, taxidermy animals. Yeah. <laughs> Just hanging that, around. Walking in that room was like, hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm well, not really, going to just, tell Elise. That's such a cool place. <laughs> it really blows my mind, though. That like that place is like, cool, though. But but like last year, you're like, yeah, we're, we're gonna part ways. I'm gonna do my own thing for a bit, and then suddenly it's like, right back together. That is intersecting. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We hung out at the ranch quite a bit too. We did all that. It's like we 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 surprisingly shared very similar experiences. Prob- one you of like us shared lanes. the same bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't sleep there. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, yeah, Evan was. Evan is the best joke, sir. Like, it's funny as like he'll call for call for me to do something, 
he'll be like, hey, vegan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Logan will be like, it's Carmichael. And it's, Evan plays it so straight that he's like, what is the word Carmichael? my vocabulary and as the moment i got to shoot at the ranch i was like okay i'm i have my foot in the door with them as a client i'm going to keep working my ass off to keep them as a client because they're able to afford a rate that keeps me alive Mm -hmm. um and i also at this moment so it's before April, March was Guatemala, so it's February. Um, at this moment, working with them, going to Texas and everything, I realized the most important thing that working with these guys right now is going to be for my mental health. If I'm a vegan and I'm extremely left on a lot of things and I live in Los Angeles, I have an echo chamber around me. Yeah. And if I can throw myself at uh, an environment that is ex- often extremely opposite of my my perspective, um, I will be able to question my morals and ethics and chip away at them until they are the most essential to my belief. And I can mm. know myself the best. Um, not everyone would do that. Not everyone yeah, is really just like bad. willing to walk into, you know, a, what could be a cauldron of opposite views of their own and just, you know, let it burn them. But I mean, it seems like it's all in good fun. And you've, I mean, have, have there been any views that since leaving that the bubble right of LA has working with those guys with other perspectives changed any of your perspectives? Um. I think when switching to veganism, a big thing is like, as you guys know, I'm an all in kind of person. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I'm very aware of that. (laughs) Uh, It's a verb now, Carmichael Lee. So going vegan is like saying no to everything else and like absorb and learn what is this. And then also what is this to me? And then hanging around those guys, and they often raised questions that I couldn't answer. And so I got to sit on those questions that no one else around me would ask that question. And it reminds me that I'm a vegan who loves guns. <laughs> every day. I mean, that's... I was like, no, these are my trees. Get the fuck away. <laughs> Get away from my trees. Get away from my grass. <laughs> Um, Don't touch my tomatoes. As <laughs> uh, it, it's understanding, like there is the veganism is not something that's perfect for every individual person, and you can't admit that when you start going down that road, because you have to. If you're trying to go down something, what you think is the a better thing for you you kind of have to follow it with faith. Mm. And then once you start getting a little bit of a comfort bubble, that's where you're like, okay, I've gone pretty far. What about is this, what, what can I poke holes in that I can question? 
um, and often, especially in Guatemala, I would bring up things that Evan would ask. He would talk about wool, which is not an animal's skin. It's, you know, their hair. Mm -hmm. um, and I mentioned, well, it depends on where you get it. Like, I have to do the, the thought process of, like, only certain farms take care of their animals uh, better than others. And you need to support those farmers. And if it comes from a, a, a Murillo sheep, for example, you don't want the muling. Uh, and a Murillo sheep, for example, is a domesticated sheep. So it just keeps growing. It's, it's wool, not like a wild sheep that sheds. And mm -hmm. if, an, if a person doesn't uh, cut, uh, give them a haircut, they can die. Holy <clears throat> moly. They, they can like cook? Do they, just... they, they heat up, they sweat, they suffocate, um, and their sweat, their sweat actually attracts a specific type of fly that's native in Australia that kills them. <clears throat> and so to, to prevent sheep from dying from that fly, you have to mule them, which is you lasso them up, and cut the skin off the back of their hind legs. Hmm. Um, and it's like, what the heck? and I, I, it's hard because in the vegan community is like, no, all wool is bad. Hmm. I was like, okay, so we need to prevent the wool being uh, worn by people. Yeah. Okay. Why not? I actually asked the question, why not eradicate sheep? Hmm. You, you would stop cruelty by taking them out. Well, the, well that's, that's not ethical. Okay, so what is? You, the, the most ethical thing is to support farmers who are doing it more ethically than others, who, mm -hmm. who take care and love their animals because they're domesticated animals. They rely on us. Mm -hmm. And I, I have all, a bunch of other examples like that, that Evan and I had long conversations about that he never knew about. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff. I mean, my experience with the Black Rifle Coffee guys, I mean, outside of this like boundless drive that like leaves me exhausted. And I thought I had some decent drive. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Jake put it pretty well. It's like you, if you approach them with the caricature of like, you know, the Texas like guy that loves his guns and his meat, like you'll, you'll, you'll have, you'll apply stereotypes to them that aren't true because you'll also end up, I mean, at, upon meeting the guys, you'll find that they are some of the most like tolerant and accepting guys, you know, yeah. and they just don't like, they don't make a point of trying to censor themselves. But, and so that, that throws you off at first, but then you realize that they're, they don't really have anything to censor because there's nothing in them that's like, you know, awkwardly judgmental or harsh or cruel because they're not those kind of people. Or regrettable. Um, yeah. So, they, I mean, they're really fascinating guys and, you know, they're really cool guys too that, you know, that I've met that, you know, I'm friends with obviously a bunch of them as well. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a really good crew and I'm, I'm happy that they have the success that they have and that they've found the niche and the, the community that they have because um, they seem like they've attracted a bunch of other guys who are kind of in the same mindset together to, you know, execute on this vision that they have, um, which is great. So, you know, you were saying though, so you went to Guatemala, you, you know, yeah. you did the shot show in Vegas. Are you still working with them? Uh, Part-time, uh, just like a freelance client. Okay. Um, so 
quick shot show. Imagine going to NAB <laughs> and there are, you know how everyone's always filming everything because you know everyone's got to put out their <laughs> NAB video. Right, of course. There's no such thing at shot show. Nobody's filming? There was two other freelance videographers and I know that there were only two because I could never find one and those two found me and go, are you Carmichael? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. <laughs> and it, as Logan and Evan put it, it's like, yeah, YouTube and online video platforms are anti-right. They're anti-gun. Mm-hmm. It leads it leads to violence, and so Black Rifle can sit like just on the the line because they're not a gun company. They're a coffee company. Yeah. Um. And that was an insane experience because so many people were uncomfortable of a cameraman near them. Really? Uh, and then you also have people who didn't understand like, oh, someone's taking a picture or a video is recording. Whereas NAB, you'd have plenty of people who would kind of, kind of stop and just wait for a second. Yeah. And that kind of pulls you out of LA too. It's like, these are normal people. You, mm-hmm. you, uh, they're not gearheads. They're not camera people. They're not Hollywood. Yeah. Um, just, just, just gun salesmen with an honest product. <laughs> <laughs> honest, honest gun. Uh, yeah. But what? But okay. So I do not want. This was. This is an opening in my mind, as a video creator. Um, what I something. I did not expect. Do we all remember Street Meat Guy? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, was he at Shot Show? Don't tell me he was at Shot Show. He was not at Shot okay. Show. Okay. Oh, <laughs> a Black Rifle Coffee's got their own Street Meat Guy. Oh, really? Yes. And it, it dawned on me. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me before. It's like every tribe, every community online has the hardest of hardcore fans that that's all they want to breathe. And it, it humbled me even more being at a vegan at SHOT Show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, imagine, I imagine those guys have a lot of fans at SHOT Show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Crazy amount. I mean, they're the biggest, like, celebrities when it comes to that space. I, I mean, shot- like there's a, the only other people are like, what, like, uh, what's it? The, uh, the guy from Demolition Ranch. Yeah. He's like the closest other person in that space. Yeah, I, sh- I think I shot a terabyte of footage in that week. Wow. All HD at 120 frames per second. Is 120 frames per second? Yeah. So <laughs> no, you, no, you just, you said it the high frame rate because when you're at SHOT Show, you never know when a gun's going to go off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you want to make sure it's in slow motion. <laughs> so we all, do we all know, do we all remember why I, I was like, hey, we should switch to 60 frames per second? Yeah, in case you ever wanted to do slow motion. Yeah, so my Sony camera can record audio at HD 120 frames per second. Okay. So I just <laughs> shoot at HD 120. It's, wow. And it's 100 uh, it. <laughs> megabits per second. Do you edit really in, edit a, in a different sequence setting? Or I edit? just edit at 30 frames per second. Yeah, okay. 
and then I slow <laughs> it down all the way down to twenty five percent. All my footage is slow. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. Man, technology. Yeah. <laughs> and then Guatemala, I shot almost two terabytes. Uh, I had to use my one terabyte SD card as a half of a backup. So I would never <laughs> delete footage off of it. <laughs> what were you guys doing in Guatemala? Like, what, was, what were you covering while you were there? Uh, so the first couple of days was footage, just B-roll and footage. So we went to different coffee farms, oh, okay. uh, learning the process from coffee getting from the field to the cup kind of stuff. Wow. Um, it's also, note, the first time I've been in a third world country as an adult. Wow. What was that like? Hey, man, they're so poor. The pickers are so poor that they have to be vegan. Hmm. That's how it was worded to me. They're, so- they're lucky if they get 5000 a year. In U.S. Wow. Wow. That'll, that'll, that'll shake your boots. And yeah. is, is this, you know, are these farmers that you're describing, is that where a lot of the coffee that we drink comes from? Like, is this like the coffee capital of the world or something? Or is it a more niche area? Um, Guatemala, I believe, always has been exporting and they're just now getting into the system of like, trying to regain their coffee culture because they would always leave the shitty coffee for themselves mm. and sell the good stuff. And now they're trying to keep some of the good stuff to be part of that culture. Yeah. Um, but yet, I think the... I have the timeline open. Uh, I think our shepherd, Freddie, he said more than 60% of the coffee is what you guys end up getting in your cup. Um, and the the process is not like there are major companies in the industry that buy the leftover stuff in bulk so they can sell big containers of coffee for uh, high profit but low cost and they're just they're the coffee that they were going to throw out and then learning about that whole side of the industry too crazy and then learning the Learning cupping blew my mind. What's cupping? What is that? So you guys know what wine tasting is. Yeah. So cupping is that for coffee. <laughs> they, had a cu- they had a cup over, I think it was almost like 80 different tastes of coffee in a single day. Okay, wait. How do you, how do you even distinguish that, that flavor profile? Like after, after 20 cups of coffee, wouldn't it just all turn into... So you, you have to meet Edwin, who has a 24-karat gold tasting spoon for coffee. Oh my <laughs> Only gold. He's, <laughs> he's certified as, like, a coffee taster. He's, like, the, he's the main guy at Black Rifle. No, that's Evan. Edwin is no, no. their taster. You know, okay, yeah, so, that's what I'm saying. But, he, he, yeah, yeah. yeah, he works. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I may have met him before because they, they have a crazy laboratory in the background where they have he's a super chill dude yeah they they, uh like i remember when we were filming our commercial last year i went back there i was like hey is there like just like um like a basic coffee carafe kind of coffee make a mr coffee kind of thing and it's like oh yeah yeah we keep a couple in the back and it's like oh yeah cool and then he explains also (laughs) further it's like yeah we, we we try and also always get the worst coffee makers you can possibly buy like the mr coffee drip coffee ones because we want to know 
how like the average person is going to consume this copy and want to see what it's going to be like when you just make it poorly, so to speak, when you're not doing the yeah. pour over method and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yeah, like, so that's the same principle with yeah. like our sound mixing and our color grading. Or, yeah. or looking at the thumbnail very small. Or it's like, yeah. how does the audio sound like through yeah phone speaker? There yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah, you got to view it through the lens of your your uh, consumer, you know. But uh, yeah, Guatemala wild. So so you're saying like people there. Would you say on average people are vegan, like, or no, even no, if no, it's no. Not they, like I'm vegan, they're they're just eating like, plant-based foods? No, 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 like pickers. Pickers and okay. Uh, pickers are lucky pickers. to afford meat. I see. Um, like when you go to Skid Row, like imagine being stuck in Skid Row and a full-time job. Yeah. And your kids have to work with you. That's, oh, so there's whole families. There's whole families. Like one of the farms, we, we had to take a helicopter for 45 minutes just to get to one of these farms. And they support, I think it was 300 families. And then on picking season, they have up to like 6,000 employees. Mm. Wow. wow. And then like, if, you, if you're not going up the mountain to hand pick all the cherries, put it in a bag and carry it down the mountain. And you have to do that about like five times. Each bag's 150 pounds. Cherries are, is che- that young coffee or? No, what? so coffee beans are inside a cherry. Right, right. It, it, it's like the red berry looking thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you're not That's doing that, picking. you can go cut grass with a short machete. Interesting. Wow. Because they're not going, they don't have lawnmowers. So you just go. Is is the coffee industry? It seems like that's a major industry. Is it regulated? Do you know? Like, is, are there laws in place to protect people, or is it just kind of wild west, British colonialism? You know, plantation. So it's, it's both. Uh, there's a quote in the video. I don't want to say that quote because it's such a good quote. Uh, there, you have to watch the video. To you have to it. watch the video, and it's still being worked on. Um, there, there's regulations to an extent because Guatemala terrain is full of mountains where the coffees are grown. So Mm -hmm. you can't have like in Brazil, the lands are more flat. So you can have machinery work there. You can't do that. So you need people who can uh, do this labor for low cost. Because if you wanted, if, if everyone in the U S was willing to pay like one to $2 more for their coffee, you could guarantee guarantee clean water for pickers. That's it. Just one to two more. One to two more dollars per bag. Mm-hmm. Um, if this is going off my memory, uh, we're talking to Evan. Uh, the the math is based on because in the it was like in the seventies a co- a cup of coffee was like fifty cents, right? Mm-hmm. So to consider that with fair trade, like what you would want to pay people uh, and inflation, Americans should be minimum buying like $30 bags of coffee. Interesting. To provide like back to the farms. Hmm. 
Um, and a big concern when, when we were in a room was like, why is the cost of coffee not skyrocketing right now? Like coffee is in the highest demand and it's like, it costs more to buy coffee right now, but it costs less to make it. And yet farmers are still not getting enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that, that whole week was an experience beyond I've ever had wow. as an adult. I can, for many factors, but that's, that's insane, man. Were you, how was like kind of zoning in more on personal like struggle, I guess, how was traveling there as someone with a dietary restriction? Cause dude, I mean, I went to Spain last year with my girlfriend who she's not vegan. She just doesn't eat like meat meat. And that mm-hmm. was hard traveling. So how was being a vegan in, you know, South America, a third world country? Uh, well, it, I told Alicia while I was there, it's like, it's both easy and hard because it's hard because it's, I can just quit. I can just cheat. There's so much, like I could just do it and be easier because I'm putting so much mental energy in shooting and so much work put into that while traveling through Guatemala. Like I would rather not put the energy into my diet. Mm. I would rather just eat something right now. Would I mean, if you just like slipped a little bit of carnitas in, you know, would you'd probably (laughs) suffer for that. Right. Like that would make you physically sick though. If you did cheat. I'd get, I get a tummy ache, which would then mess with my performance. Um, but it's, it's also easy because I can just ask the waiter, uh, what do you have that's vegetarian? And then can we just remove a few things? And they were pretty accommodating. Oh yeah. Super. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, I, I ate a whole pizza because I found out their crust wasn't made with uh, egg. I was like, I'll hmm. take it. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, someone there was like, you know, being a vegan, you don't eat a lot of meat, but you sure do eat a shit ton of food. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> wow. They, they were surprised by the amount that you were eating? Yeah. I oh, would wow. eat, okay. I would, in a single sitting, I would eat two to three full meals. Gotcha. Because for like, for, for ex-soldiers, you know, I think that they'd also be eating a lot. Keep I mean, the muscle mass up. meat. When meat in the idea of like density of calories and protein and every and fats, like it's a superfood. Like humans found a superfood, we cooked it, and it we progressed yeah. past other animals. Plants, uh, you just gotta get a large combination of of variety right. and do that superfood on your own. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And then there was the hot tub. What? Oh, is this the D and D game? <laughs> this is the D and D game. Okay, I heard, I heard a tale. Of okay, this. what's the hot tub story? <laughs> so we're all sitting in a hot tub in Guatemala on the edge of a volcanic lake. Okay. Uh, the this since starting to work with Logan, Logan couldn't can't understand D and D. Okay. And eventually, Evan is in on this and he's like what is this i don't understand this 
and at, to the point where he's asking every uh, owner of Black Rifle, like, do you know what D&D is? Have you ever played? What is this? What is this? And we're all in the hot tub, and it comes down to, can you just show us what D&D is? Okay. I'm sitting with Evan, Logan, the director of coffee, uh, Edwin, and um, Marty, who's their journalist. We're all just sitting in a hot tub in Guatemala. And then it starts to rain. So we put the umbrella up and we're sitting in the hot tub while raining and we're playing D&D. That sounds pretty freaking chill. That sounds dude. really cool. <laughs> and uh, no dice. Uh, I didn't think about using no an app. Dice. No <laughs> dice? How do you do that? No, no, no. I, random I, numbers. Random numbers. So we had, just like, we had, we had somebody not number. playing. Five. Okay. And I, and I would day. just say, play a random number between one and 20. <laughs> <laughs> And we we played D and D, and they got out. Of, they it took them two hours to get out of a tavern, and to a village. Why? Why would it, what? <laughs> two hours just drinking? Oh yeah, they were also drinking like ten, twelve, fifteen beers each. In the, in in the life. hot tub in real in life. The hot tub. <laughs> How so many trying dogs? to just, trying to uh, just, in, in game, it's like more like forty or so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, um so you, you like by the, by the end of the game evan was so fascinated that he's like put together a game for us so we can shoot something and i was like wow. all right black rifle coffee does D D. <laughs> i'll prep <laughs> that's hilarious when can we look forward to that no yeah. not anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> just, just I, I already did one that was like a seal, uh, like Black Hawk Down style one. Mm-hmm. You, you could just that, that would be perfect for them. Sounds just, amazing. You're behind enemy lines. You got to extract these hostages from like a tavern, and there's orcs everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah. not far off what I have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm leaning a little bit more to Seven Samurai. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool too. So, see, like I got to ask you know, as we're on the topic of D and D. So, you know, your channel Fables, um, you know, you've been trying different things, you've been exploring it. What, looking at it now, where are you going to go with it? What's, what's your current plans with it? I want the current show that's on there, Fables of Refuge, with, where Jarrett DMs. I want that to be a live show. Mm. Multicam live. I get mm. to sit and play. I get to be a player. Um, and what I'm shooting... Tomorrow with Alicia is a one-on-one where I DM. And my mm. idea for that is to do a very spicy, heavy edit and well-designed and something very like cinematic. <clears throat> and I'm going I'm to play with that. The, the whole idea of the channel is to be a canvas for me to play D&D, but also for me to tinker with filmmaking at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is its primary purpose in my eyes. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, so you can't just play D&D. You have to lean more to like, hey guys, we're, we're doing a video. Okay, so let's not do these things. Okay, so that changes playing Dungeons and Dragons. How does that feel um, as a creator? How does that feel as a player? Um, how does it feel as the audience? Often I'll sit there and look at it and go, that's a little, 
that's not working for me. That's a little cringy. But then the, uh, I'll get a comment of someone saying, I love it. This is great. Hmm. I was like, I made, so- okay, this made someone's day better. Yeah. So I'm on a path. It, I'm on a path of making something that people like. Um, and it's something that connects me to my childhood of fantasy and medieval. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have to be realistic. It's like that channel doesn't make the numbers to be a paying job. Mm-hmm. And I have yes. to, I have to believe that if it ever, if it will, it won't be within the first three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at like the growth of the corridor channels, uh, looking at the growth of other channels, like minimalist channels that I follow, like it, there's years of patience that have to go into just like you start with putting your idea out there and you slowly have to change your raw idea to something that's just a little bit more refined for people to digest consistently. Yeah, definitely, man. Got to make the compromise with yourself, you know, first what people want to watch versus what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it seems like you you started doing what smaller or shorter episodes to try to make it more digestible. No, so we we play for about three hours a game, and we take a sure. break in the middle, and we just release two parts of that. Okay, so we just release one on Tuesday, one on Thursday. Um, yeah, sit down and record once. You got two uploads. It, I tried releasing them even shorter, and for the style that the show this specific game goes you kind of just want to sit there and digest it like a podcast sure Mm -hmm. where if it's something that's more like heavy edited more cinematic something like the old node D &D shows you can cut that in far smaller bites yeah yeah Yeah. it's almost like if you keep it raw you just need to keep everything in you know (laughs) like yeah can't start being cheesy yeah so, see, Mike, we're reaching the uh, reaching the end of our time here together for this podcast. I want to say so far, like your and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your uh, your story of like the, you know, kind of what happened from leaving Corridor to trying to make it work to the stress and the panic to you know working with Black Rifle. Like that was fascinating. Like I was completely engrossed, <laughs> like listening. Um, just, I was transported to another world. Um, I might be cut and, out to be a dungeon master after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was really cool. And I, you know, I really appreciate you sharing that and like sharing your vulnerabilities as well as your successes. Yeah. Um, which I think is something that you've always been. I, I learned well. that from you guys at corridor. Um, like it's when we, when I started shooting BTS for you guys, it was just like, capture what they're doing but make it better and then the vlog was where my brain started like freaking out and cracking and breaking and it's like <laughs> how, do, how do i make this work it's it doesn't make sense and it's mm-hmm. like oh it's you you have to open up you just have to let the thing happen and you have to mm-hmm. film it and then you have to think about it while it's happening while not thinking about while it's happening. You just have to be humble that it's happening. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so surreal. Uh, and it just goes into like, 
what I like to do, which is make content, whether it gets the numbers or not, what, what I like to do is make something that people can just enjoy. And mm-hmm. to do that, you have to think of those audience members and think what they would think while you're making it. And mm-hmm. you can't be, you can't judge it. You, you can't like be selfish about it. And I think during like that dark mental transition of me leaving corridor that was infesting my relationship with the content and I could see often it would affect how I communicate with you guys and Mm -hmm. I didn't want that either Mm -hmm. and I knew that was not a problem in the sense of like I'm going to get fired (laughs) but it's like it's a problem because it's it shouldn't be that's not okay it's not morally or ethically okay like I'm I'm trying to make, I have to make something that makes people feel better. I have, it can't start from a dark place. Mm -hmm. And I'm just constantly trying to be that. Like in 60 years, look back, was I able to be better, to make better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are words of wisdom, man. Those are good philosophies to live by and things to pursue it's hard to do it but i think you know in the moment it could be a big struggle when you set out to do your own thing and you try to figure out how to make it work but i mean i'm saying this a bit from a position of privilege and that you know corridor has been successful um but even if it wasn't and you know even those times where it wasn't and you know looking back in the day um still going out and doing your own thing is one of those things like you look back and it, it's something that you pretty, pretty much never regret. You know, it's like they do that study, like, you know, old people when asked, what did they, what did they value more in their life, their experiences or the, like, that, 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 like, or what do they value spending their money more on, you know, expensive items or expensive experiences, AKA traveling. And the answer is always experiences, you know, items, items just don't have the same thing as, you know, emotions and memories and things that make you grow. And so, you know, when you set out to do your own thing, like even if it is a struggle and even if it is hard and the money isn't always there, I think it's one of those things that like, you know, people survive, you make your way through it. And when you look back at it years down the line, you know, it makes you a better person when you've pursued things like that. You know, it's being able to decide to do something of your own volition is such a valuable thing to be able to do. And so, so few people still do that. Like, you know, when you're talking about, when you're working at uh, Imperium Games and you want to go do film Mordor and they're like, well, you want to have a job when you come back. You're like, that's cool. See ya. Like if more people were, were willing to do that, he would be in a world where people wouldn't be taken adv- advantage of as much um, because you have to have that sense of righteousness for yourself and doing right by yourself first um, and being your own person. Also, having the ability to empathize with who you work with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, one of the the benefits of, like, while working on Fables and working with a client, whether it's Black Rifle or someone else, is if you're trying to make a YouTube channel, it's like, I know what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I know the the thoughts that are going through your head. I know the stress that's going through your head. The, uh, I know what numbers you're looking at that make you feel good <laughs> and bad. <laughs> like, so like level with me, talk with me and let's collaborate as people to make something that your audience, your, your community wants to see. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also, I think my favorite, I think it's season three of the vlogs where Nick and I hit a stride where Nick would make videos mostly with Jake, where it's just like the antic crazy video with like (laughs) a cinematic storyline. And then I would just focus on this like weird personal thing that's happening in the (laughs) office. So the audience were getting crazy gentle, crazy gentle. (laughs) Sometimes in the same video too. We'd have the AB stories for years there. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it goes without saying that anybody listening to this podcast should go check out, you know, fables. Uh, Obviously there'll be links on the screen and in the description and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I think people should go check out your Patreon as well, because when you have a small dedicated audience, it, you got to have more than just ad revenue to make it happen. And you can totally make it happen with a small audience, but it requires that audience to be willing to support you. I mean, it's something we've talked about on this podcast before as you know, we launch our corridor site as well. Congrats, but, by the way. Thank you. I mean, it's still in beta. So, you know, well, I, I'll say I, that congrats for when it's like officially <laughs> launched. Yeah. I was, when leaving corridor, I was also like kind of thinking about something similar because I was looking at college's humorous dropout. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so like I need Patreon to make this thing even think about happening. Yeah. And it's like, you can't rely on the views. You can't rely on the ad revenue. Like it's, especially if you're trying to start something. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't start something from that perspective. You know, it's not going to turn out well. Yeah. So when I started, I owned none of the equipment that I used to film. <laughs> it was all borrowing. Now I still only own 75% of it. Yeah. It's better than 0%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's also, it's really easy to forget. Like, you know, when you're, when you're on YouTube and you're looking at like the big names and like 5 million views per video, I'm like, man, that's a lot of views. I'm only getting like a couple thousand. It's like a thousand people is a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially if they're like, been in a room with a thousand people when you have, it's very small amount of times and they're never <laughs> having their attention pointed at one thing. Hardly. Yeah. Being on a stage in front of a thousand people and commanding their attention for an hour is crazy but yet people are like it doesn't it doesn't register like that when you like you do a podcast and a thousand people listen to it or you do like a a live game and a thousand people watch it it's like it's not a million it's like that's a thousand people you're on stage in front of a thousand people like that's a lot (laughs) that that was i'm nervous when when i move because of all the hype of me moving the fables Mm -hmm. the first like i don't know five videos like 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 views. I'm like, this is going to go away so fast once they see how broke I really am. <laughs> and it, it did. There's, they just went, Kooch! but now it's settled roughly a thousand. I get a thousand, roughly a thousand views per video I upload. It's a thousand eyeballs that yeah. like the thing I create. That's so humbling. Um, yeah. and and that's then, great. And then after a couple months of it, I learned the, 
like the math of it. And I changed my, my Patreon tiers. And so each tier says how many views you would actually support. Mm, nice. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, Mike, this is great. Thank you for joining us on this yeah. podcast. I'll have to do another one at some point here. Um, yeah. But it was really nice catching up here and like hearing your stories and your tales, your fables, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fables of freelance. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is super cool. Is there anything else you'd want to say to people or I guess ask them to check out or anything like that? I mean, I, I'd just be humble if people check out fables. I know it's not, I know it's not node D and D. Um, sorry, I can't afford the minis, <laughs> uh, but like, I'd just be humble if you check that out. Um, I'm not going to ask people to sign up for Patreon or join the channel. Not right now. That's, I don't feel like that's a good idea as but much I as I would want to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go do that, please. Support him. <laughs> Support the nicest dude. I think, yeah. I think knowing the general demographic of the corridor fan base i i have like your time's short you i started a corridor in my mid-20s i'm 30 just turned 30 hey, Gosh, hey. my birthday is the same day as corridor <laughs> 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 um and it like if you want to make something go do it like Sam, you just prove to any filmmaker out there, they have no excuse. Like, I know, like, talking about, like, shoot on your phone. Like, I'm, I'm always like, uh, it doesn't look right unless, you know, you get the close-up or something like that. <laughs> um, but, like, if you want to make something, you want to put your idea out there, do it. If, if you don't, if you don't feel good about, something that you're doing like do the work to figure out how to stop doing that so you can put the energy into something that you need to put energy into and if you have to like also love everyone you work with love like don't burn bridges mm -hmm. like that's not going to turn out great when you're 60 yeah i mean i think you demonstrated just how small the video world is. I mean, yeah, the world in yeah. general is small. Like the fact that you're at SHOT Show and the other two guys are like, Carmichael, you know, yeah. or the fact that Richard Ryan calls you up, you know, it's like, it's not a big world out there. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's, it's so mind-blowing that our parents were so right that they're like, you don't know anything. But like, <laughs> you knew, you know a lot when you're young, you do know a lot because you have your own experiences, your own paths, but you don't, you don't have the perspective that you get by just starting over. Yeah. It gives you empathy. I think it's hard to have empathy when you aren't experienced. Yeah. Yeah. Deep. Cool. Super deep. All right. I think that's a perfect, like, Describe. walk off into the sunset. <laughs> Scribe. What? what? <laughs> I can't even do the sand scream anymore. <laughs> never had to. <laughs> Fun fact, most of the subscribe screams that I ever put in were, uh, was actually Nick testing it. 
because his was short enough to fit the curses more than Sam's. <laughs> Dude, I remember people got so frustrated thinking we were trying to give them like subliminal advertising. Yeah. You know? like, they're just sneaking in little like subscribe words, like trying to trick people into subscribing and hypnotize us. It's like, it's a joke, guys. Yeah, we're just <laughs> joking. We're just around. I, mean, I mean, if it works, whatever, you know. I miss so many things that I used to create with you guys, but one of the things that I do like cry laughing over is Mario Kart and Dude, Jake oh, trying yeah. to build something. Such a good video. <laughs> <laughs> Man, like with this point, it's Sad. so surreal. Just before we end, it's so surreal. Like being able to look, I mean, for all of us, right? being able to look back at the last five years and literally have a vlog that catalogs almost everything of your day-to-day yeah. right i mean yeah. even though it's kind of like curated and you know presented it's very like i'll look back at vlogs that i haven't seen for years man and i'll just it feels like it was just yesterday trippy. but at the same time it is super trippy because things even though they're the same they're very different you know and, uh, yeah it feels like we only started only three years ago but it's been yeah. five yeah those, uh, those videos are my memories like when i watch those i'm like yeah, right. that's all i remember yeah. Yeah. yeah but uh at the same time you can like remember like what went into making each one you know like mm-hmm. it's just uh it's a vault man that's a vault and uh i i sometimes like when i'm looking for b-roll for like a recent video i'll just go down you know you'll get stuck in the recommended bar like oh yeah i remember <laughs> that one i remember that one man good times it's awesome yeah yeah all right, guys. All right. Well, well next time. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, and for checking out the, the podcast. Um, see, Mike, it was a pleasure having you on. You are as well-spoken as I've always remembered you to be. <laughs> oh, man. I got to really work on that. <laughs> cool. And uh, I guess, you know, we already said it, but go check out Carmichael's channel. I will tell you to go support him on Patreon if you're I, into it. But if only if only if you're into his stuff, I think that's important to say. Like, and you, you can for corridor, yes. And you can afford. If you can't afford it, don't feel bad. Watch the videos then. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it was. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you everybody for listening, and yeah, we'll see everyone in the next corridor cast. That's good. So Thank long, guys. everybody. Bye. Bye, Carmichael.